think that, you know, I'd want everything that's humanly possible to be prefabbed on a project. Yeah. Uh, but realistically, not everything that can be prefab is the best choice for that project. So, you know, really focusing in and reviewing projects early and choosing the the scopes, the items that can really help a project uh, and focusing on those I think also helps. Hello innovators, I'm Todd Wyant and welcome to the Bridging the Gap podcast presented by Applied Software Great Tech Group. You're invited to join our conversation to model the future of construction innovation and the digital transformation adventure of this great industry. This is a special episode that we recorded live from the Advancing Prefabrication 2023 show. It was awesome to be with the innovators and change makers throughout the prefab and modular world. There's a ton of energy and momentum in the movement. Enjoy hearing the insights and trends around productization, data, communication, and so much more. Now, on to the interview. We are coming live from day two at Advancing Prefab, joined by Matt Hardy. Uh, welcome. Thanks Thank for you. taking the time and sitting with us today. Yeah, I appreciate it. So let's start by kind of giving a little bit about your background and, and what brought you to Advancing Prefab. Okay, so interesting, pretty interesting background. Uh, I've been in the construction industry, specifically healthcare, for 25 years now. Okay. Uh, but out of college, I started on the electrical contracting side. Uh, really did that in the Midwest and then also in Florida. Uh -huh. Uh, you know, started doing prefabrication in those shops 20 years ago. Uh, and then recently, about a year ago, I transitioned uh, to the general contracting side, self-performing general contractor side. Okay. Um, you know, really to try to help bring, uh, you know, the best practices for projects as mm -hmm. far as prefab is concerned to mm -hmm. those projects. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's been a journey for me, a 25-year journey on prefab. Uh, so really coming here is, you know, a couple of things. One, to, to learn more about, you know, new industries, new mm -hmm. things that are out there, but also, uh, you know, to learn about what we can do to help our clients. Yeah, very nice. So from the, the GC perspective, uh, how do you see the, kind of the momentum and the, the evolution of, of modular? Well, I, you know, I think that I think that there's a lot of there's a lot of momentum, a lot of people talking about. It. I think this mm -hmm. event is in its seventh year now. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that I think that one thing you know we we can focus a lot on, you know, how to improve prefab, how to improve modular, and mm -hmm. that's really good. I think that, you know, the big conversation that is kind of overarching to all this is that. You know, we're, we're facing with construction spending a 650,000 skilled worker deficit moving forward. Right. Uh, you it's know, a major through, problem. <laughs> through 2023. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I think that I think that it's it's clear that uh, we it's not it's no longer an option to use prefab and modular. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, as things progress, in order for us to be able to complete projects to actually build stuff, which is mm -hmm. what we do. Uh, we're going to have to rely and integrate on prefab and modular more. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I know firsthand from having prefab shops, you know, the, the efficiency of scale of doing that, mm -hmm. how we could achieve better quality and better safety with less people in the fab shop compared to the mm -hmm. field side. So I know that it's a solution. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that really that that kind of encompasses all of this prefab and modular and 
you know, this is just the beginning. You know, we're at the in the early stages of mm -hmm. what hopefully will take, you know, less than a decade, but it's coming. Yeah. How do you take the kind of the tremendous knowledge that is in uh, the veterans who have been in it for you know, 30 plus years uh, that are retiring out now and mm -hmm. bring that into the shop so you're not losing that as they retire. Sure. And you know we're obviously not bringing in new people <laughs> as the yeah. clip that we need, but how do you take that knowledge in and really kind of crowdsource it in the prefab world? Yeah, you know that 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 is a double-edged sword. You know, mm -hmm. sometimes the the you know the resistance to change is also there. So, mm -hmm. I think the first the first step in that in transferring that knowledge is is really providing the basis to and support to be able for people to accept change. Yeah, and yeah, sure. Then once they've accepted the change, then it's then it's our goal to get more of the youth in front of those people to to be able to start to foster that. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's also starting slow, you know, let's concentrate on the on the portions of our projects that help the most. Mm -hmm. um, you know, from a general contracting side, you know, I'm in charge of prefab for Robbins Morton. You'd mm -hmm. think that, you know, I'd want everything that's humanly possible to be prefabbed on a project. Yeah. Uh, but realistically, not everything that can be prefab is the best choice for that project. So, you know, really focusing in and reviewing projects early and choosing the the scopes the items that can really help a project mm -hmm. uh, and focusing on those i think also helps because mm -hmm. you're narrowing that band you're not trying to bring you know everything all at once into a project so it's a little more focused that focus can help yeah i think that's a really interesting point are there certain criteria when you're looking at like is this a, a good prefabable sure. uh, component or you know is it does it make sense to do prefab on this or are there criteria that you use to oh, yeah. say yes or no yeah yeah you know and that that criteria can be can be many mm -hmm. um really right now in the southeast you know with the amount of building that's going on in florida mm -hmm. um my first question is you know how is the availability of local skilled labor is it available? Mm -hmm. Is it a tough labor market? Mm -hmm. um, I, and I don't know that I've had a single project come back and say, oh, it's a, it's an easy labor market. Like that yeah. means something, right? You know, right. it's, it's um, the fact that, you know, every market is kind of a tough market says something about our industry. Right. Um, so, you know, if, if it wasn't a tough labor market, you know, then, then we would kind of look more towards the skilled trades and helping skilled trades. You know, that's a big part of what we do is taking the lessons learned on from any one project. You know, we work with a lot of skilled trades, you know, mm -hmm. hundreds of electrical contractors, mechanical contractors, plumbing contractors. Uh, so being able to sum up, you know, the good lessons learned that we've used on projects and those skilled trades and then share them with our partners, our trade partners, mm -hmm. you know, really helps them for the next project, but also helps our owner for that project. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that would be if there was no, no shortage of labor, which I've never, I haven't heard yet. <laughs> um, but then, you know, we really try to focus in on, on three things. You know, every client uh, wants the, the lowest budget the highest quality and the shortest schedule. Mm -hmm. In all reality, you know, 
we all know that that's probably not realistic. So focusing in on what is the, the really major need, being able to pinpoint that major need for that client, right. is it budget? Well, if it's budget, then let's start looking at ways that we can use prefab and modular to reduce cost. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and that can be very, very difficult to, mm -hmm. to see it in that light. Sure. Um, quality is pretty easy, you know, very high quality. Prefab and modular is going to check the boxes on, uh, mm -hmm. in many instances. Mm -hmm. uh, speed to market, you know, then we start looking a lot more of just volumetric modular. Mm -hmm. um, so focusing in on one of those three areas and then and then using that when we're viewing that project early, I think gives us a good basis to, to get started on how mm -hmm. to zero in on what prefab and, uh, you know, we just start cutting from there until we get to what's the best choice for the project. Yeah, from the owner's side of things, how are you seeing prefab kind of, the perception of prefab change in, in their mindset or kind of the momentum behind that? So it's, it's across the gamut. Uh, you know, we have clients and large clients that insist on a, uh, on a certain amount or a majority amount of prefab. We have one very progressive client that uh, demands or sets a goal for 60% of all labor to be performed offsite. Uh, wow. That's pretty progressive, yeah. right? Um, and you know, serial owner. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, so we and we do a, a fair amount with them. They're a national national firm. So, you know, we have clients at that end, and I would say that they're at the at the far progressive end. Yeah. Um, and then we've even seen clients that you know we've been in meetings with that say, you know, why do we need BIM? You know? <laughs> so I mean, do you it, still it, get the what is BIM? Yeah. Like, oh yeah. I, <laughs> Well, not really, yeah, <laughs> really like not what is it, but, you know, hey, why do we really, wait, why don't we really need it? You know, yeah. you got all the field personnel are the best, you know, let them figure it out. Well, mm -hmm. you know, that, you know, we have to kind of go down the path there of figuring out what is the best for the project. But mm -hmm. I can't remember the last time we didn't do a project with BIM, so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so yesterday, the expected experience was a kind of a common theme that, that came up. Mm -hmm. What is, in your opinion, the expected experience of the industry really needs to demand be different? Uh, yeah, seamless. I mean, the, 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 and that's, a, that's something that we haven't seen yet, you know, the mm -hmm. seamless transition. And, and that's, where, that's where, you know, it's, it's just accepted that that's the way that we're going to do it, that it no longer mm -hmm. becomes a question of, you know, hey, does this cost less? Or, hey, does this improve schedule? Mm -hmm. That... That concept, going back again to you know our major limiting factor in our opinion is lack of manpower moving forward. Mm -hmm. So instead of even considering you know hey is this an option, it's it's just the only option. It's the first option. It has to happen now. Mm -hmm. How can we improve that experience so that it so that it doesn't it doesn't feel different from the owner's perspective going through a project or mm -hmm. the trade partner's perspective that it's just a that that it feels the same. We just find that everybody's in a much more efficient manner, acting in a much more efficient manner. Calling all innovators. In just a few weeks, you can attend a free online training event that could change your work life. BIMUP is for innovative construction professionals like you, offering over 200 classes from May 23rd through the 25th that cover BIM best practices, Revit, AutoCAD, and lots of other topics that can help improve the way you work. I think you'll get a ton of value by attending. To sign up, simply go to asti.com slash BIMUP. Hope to see you there.
what friction do you think is in the way that we need to kind of clear out to make that the ideal state? Well, I mean, you know, like I said before, you, there's a, there's always going to be a uh, a, a friction to change, a, mm. to acceptance of change. Mm. Um, you know, and it's a it's a big animal. You know, a lot of this stuff is a very uh, is very different than what we're used to doing. So, you know. Ultimately, do I think that that the goal would be, you know, follow a lot of other industries where, you know, you could buy a, a prefabricated Sears home in the 1950s, right? right? Out of a catalog. Right. Right. Um, it's not that way now. People want their buildings to be a little more uh, specialized, which costs more. Yeah. But there, there has to be a convergence there of what people are willing to spend and what they're willing to get, you know, where where we're getting to that point. In the absence of that, you know, it's still a specialized project by project what works the best. And that change has friction internally and externally. Yeah. Um, and risk, you know, it presents some risk as a general contractor that historically we haven't been uh, so concerned about. Uh, it, it, it represents different contracting terms, you know, the way that we're writing our contracts, which is, uh, you know, another thing that has to change, which there's some resistance there. So, you know, just, just resistance, uh, you know, overcoming that resistance and showing people that, you know, the proof is in the pudding, that this really works, that this mm -hmm. really is better. Um, you know, as we're on the path to achieving more standardization where people are picking things from a catalog. Yeah. Do you uh, spend a lot of time kind of knocking down some of the, the misconceptions around prefab? I think a lot of people uh, that aren't steeped in the prefab world, you say that and the first thing that comes into their mind is this ugly cement block that yeah. is nobody wants it or like a just a you're just putting the, the mobile yeah. hub, you know, <laughs> uh, where modular, you can do some really cool oh. custom looking things. You would have no idea it was actually modular. No, no. Uh, so do you kind of oh, knock yeah. down those perceptions? Yeah. And you know, that, that's been an adjustment for me. You know, that's how I've always thought about it. So, you know, to, to, I had, I had that very conversation just a few weeks ago about, yeah. you know, we were looking into doing some, uh, panelized, uh, building skin. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the from the architect and engineer, they're like, oh, you know, we don't want it to look like a Walmart. Right. So, no, 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 no. That, you know, that didn't even dawn on me that that was the perception of what a, a prefab or modular skin building looks like. Um, so, yeah, there, there's a little, you know, there's still a little bit of getting used to on that, that, mm -hmm. you know, and that's more of an education thing. Um, and we are, we're getting, we're getting people more educated and sharing a lot more of that information, but hitting home with it, you know, takes some more, this is a good opportunity, you know, have some, some people here from R and M, you know, this is a good opportunity for people to see more of that and get a little more comfortable with that. So do you, is there a certain thing that you see the, the light bulb kind of going off quicker when you're talking and trying to knock down those misconceptions? Yeah. You know, I mean, I think that we're all going to talk about critical path when, when, Prefab and modular can can improve the critical path on a project. Maybe not, you know, the overall schedule. You would hope that if you improve the critical path, you could you could also improve the overall schedule. Uh, but when we can start talking, when we can really start being comfortable that we can affect the critical path of the project, especially when there's outside factors. You know, if we can dry a building in two months earlier in let's say Indiana mm -hmm. and you know that means that we're drying it in in October yeah. and then we're not working we don't have all of our tradespeople working in a building that's wet and cold from you know November to March right 
that you know that really starts to hit home with people. So um, I know that that's a large area that we're concentrating on is what can really benefit the project the most. And once once we we kind of get over that hurdle of of figuring that out and presenting that and coming up with a plan, you know, then we go to the next item that can really really help everybody on the project. Yeah, nice. So changing gears a, a bit, you brought up the, the skilled labor shortage. What can really be done to, to help bring in new fresh blood outside the industry? Uh, I, you know, this is this is kind of funny. I live in St. Petersburg, Florida, on uh, just this last weekend before I came here. Uh-huh. Uh, the McDonald's that's by my house, you know, it, it said uh, starting position $16.75 an hour. Uh, and then shortly thereafter, something popped up on my Amazon account, you know, starting at $17 an hour for warehouse workers. You know, and these are people yeah. that are, that are uh, going to the same place every day. They're working in an air-conditioned space. Um, you know, that's a, that's a you know, a, a pretty fair deal. Mm-hmm. Um, Whereas I know with in the construction world, you know, some of those workers, you know, are being started in the field entry level mm-hmm. where they're working in the heat and the humidity of Florida, uh, mud and, you know, different yeah. place every week or every day. Right. Um, you know, and some of those guys start at $12 an hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one, I mean, I think that, you know, that's even before any training starts. Yeah. Uh, I think that we need to look at improving that and looking at ways you know, how we're going to improve that and be able to make it make good business sense is to achieve more productivity quickly mm-hmm. out of entry level people. And maybe that means bringing them into a prefabrication shop as the first step in the hiring process. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you'd be surprised just bringing someone into a prefabrication shop for six months or a year, you know, just how they understand what, you know, widget A is, Mm -hmm. you know, when they're out in the field and things are going on, you know, no one knows what widget A is. They might spend four hours looking for widget A. So just getting that jump start can make them more productive, can allow businesses to start that rate higher. I think that that'll help education, of course, Mm -hmm. uh, so that people understand really what's involved with being in one of the skilled trades. Um, Education is a is a huge piece of that. So paying mm-hmm. education, I think, will help us the most mm-hmm. to do that. Um, but that's you know that's a whole nother thing that we kind of integrate into the prefab and modular conversation for training, get that speed up quicker. Yeah, absolutely. I think exposure to what actually is going on in construction is is a huge component of it because there's such a a vast gap in what people outside the industry think is yes. happening. You know they. They're kind of stuck in construction of the 1950s and, and have it yeah, <laughs> brought it up yeah. to today. It, it's surprising too, you know. There's still a kind of a I, I see this sometimes, you know. Not a there's not a, a level of trust, mm-hmm. you know, just between ownership groups and construction in general. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, I think that that needs to be improved. You know, I think there's other delivery methods that that we can use, you know, a lot more design build, of course, is, mm-hmm. is helpful in the prefab and modular world, but just in the project overall, you know, I think that, you know, and things, you know, different markets change at different speeds, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a lot of work that's going on in Southeast right now. So, you know, there's a lot, a lot more, a lot more, um, there's not as much trust built because there's so much that, you know, everyone is trying to jockey just to get work done. You go right. to the Midwest and, you know, there's a lot more trust there because uh, there isn't the, the vast scope of work. It's not as as uh, vibrant a construction market. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So 
if I could put a kind of crystal ball and you can look into it at 10 years out, what's possible in construction? 10 years? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that we will see owners. I mean, we're really kind of there already. We're seeing owners, at least in the healthcare market, um, you know, that are at a point where they are building true volumetric, modular um, uh, facilities where, you know, their, their patient rooms, exam rooms are being constructed in, in a factory, uh, you know, and then they're what we call stitched together on site. Um, I think we could see that grow a lot more. Um, I think I think that we will see more of a a trend towards um, selecting components, um, and I'll speak from the healthcare perspective. But selecting ORs, uh, selecting patient rooms, uh, labor and delivery uh, from a catalog, rather than you know every single room is a one-off, mm -hmm. uh, and especially across ownership groups and large ownership groups where they can consolidate on something like that. Um, so I think I think you'll see more of that in ten years. I think that's very very possible. Mm -hmm. um, I think that we'll see a, you know much a much larger advance in especially uh, robotic layout. Mm -hmm. I mean I think that we'll see an advance in robotic installation, but it won't be as profound as robotic layout in mm -hmm. the field. Mm -hmm. um, I think we'll see a very large component of that because the, the progression there is already pretty pretty intense yeah um, which is which is very helpful for, from an accuracy standpoint sure. and then software I mean software is 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 moving so quickly that it's hard even if you pay attention to keep up right <laughs> or to make a decision to narrow it down to make decisions on software so yeah. you know I think we will see a lot more you know where you're you're doing a lot more construction from your from your iPhone mm -hmm. uh, than, than you can imagine yeah yeah. yeah, absolutely. The, on the, I mean, I'm in the tech space, and there's so many popping up all the time that yeah. is, it's so cool. But it's you're like, oh, how do you keep up with all this? And you really can't. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah you can kinda... make a decision one year, <laughs> right. you know, and then and then by the time you get to the, the the renewal on a piece of software the next year, you know, someone else has already come out with something that's more all encompassing. Right. Or even just updates that you didn't really know yeah. about or pay attention to. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a that's a tough space, in my opinion. That's a tough mm -hmm. space to even even stay a part of, you know? Yeah, yeah, so one of our kind of core tenets that we talked about on the show is around innovation. What does innovation mean to you? Well, that's a, that's a there can be so many facets to that. I mean, sure. innovation, innovation to me is willingness to change, um, is, you know, uh, humility in the in the face of change and being able to accept it. Yeah. You know, that we don't know it all. Right. Um, you know, so there are, there are always better ways to do it and even though someone or something might not have the uh, the experience or the um, the wherewithal that you do that they can mm -hmm. still bring things to the table that can make everyone else better mm -hmm. um, so you know the innovation no one will accept innovation unless you know they're willing to change mm -hmm. uh, and I, I'd like to think that that we all have a sense about us to to be able to accept that, that we, we're going to have to change. We can't do things the way that we've already always done them. Mm -hmm. uh, and that'll, that's what'll help bolster innovation more and more, mm -hmm. uh, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. absolutely. I love that you, you brought in people that may be new to the industry, but they're they're talking about something because they see it with fresh perspective. They're like, why are we doing it this way? And you're like, that's a good question. I don't know why we're doing it this way. This doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah. And you can, if you have the humility, you're, you're open to that, you can change it 
pretty quick with fresh eyes. Yeah, I remember, I don't know, it must have been uh, eight or ten years ago, maybe, yeah, probably eight years ago. Uh, you know, we were looking at some new construction mm -hmm. software, um, you know, and talking about how nice it would be to do more, you know, instant messaging and a better way to communicate. And I had a, a very young project engineer say, hey, have you ever, you should use Discord. Like, this would be, this would be a great platform to do all of this in. Yeah. And I'm like, I was unwilling to accept or even consider it, right? Like, that was a gamer's kind of thing. Yeah. And now I see people in the construction space using it. And that was, that was me being inflexible, you know, yeah. not being, being willing to learn something to even consider it. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's really important. And that, that's a hard thing to do. We're all so busy that, um, you know, really taking the, the time to listen to, you know, a generation that we don't do a, a good enough job of listening to. Mm -hmm. I think that's imperative, it's important. Yeah, no, absolutely. So how do people find out more information and connect with you? Yeah, so I'm on LinkedIn, uh, Matthew James Hardy. Uh, you can find me there. Um, uh, RobinsonMorton.com, that's our, that's our website. Uh, you know, we're based out of uh, Birmingham. I uh, have 10 offices, uh, so we're really all over the place. Um, I would say that's probably the, the best way you can get get to us either either direction. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, always happy to answer questions or help everyone I can. I'm pretty pretty bought in on prefab. I've been doing it so long <laughs> now. You know, for me to to not try to advance it or help it would be kind of detrimental. I might have wasted 20 years. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, final question for you. If I could give you all construction power, you could snap your fingers to innovate one thing, what would you pick to innovate? Oh, hospitals. Uh, you know, uh, story with that. I've done hospitals most of my career. Uh -huh. uh, and recently, my sister came to Florida to visit. Yeah. And she dumped, jumped off a dock um, and unfortunately hurt herself pretty severely um, you know so of course we rushed her to the emergency room um, and you know sitting in that emergency room it was a hospital that that I had helped build you know sitting there and knowing that she was helped in a very stressful time um, to me that was a that was a great that was an incredible um, uh, incredible feeling it was you know like a feeling of a like we're really doing something to help people um, so you know there's such a need for that in the healthcare space um, you know we have an aging population um, I, I if there were one area that we could really really improve it would be it would be that healthcare space. and there's so many good things going on don't get me wrong it's not you know it's not lacking uh, but yeah if we could if we could snap our fingers and say hey we can give you the best facilities at the lowest cost to provide the best care in hospitals that would that would be what i would wish for mm -hmm. nice how's your sister doing now she's great she's good. great yeah, great <laughs> care right she was That's at right. a great hospital yeah good yeah. awesome very cool well thanks so much matt for yeah. taking the time appreciate it talking with us it's been great yeah thank yeah. you bridging the gap is hosted directed and produced by todd wyant edited and produced by eric daniel Bridging the Gap is an Applied Software Gray Tech Group production. Copyright Applied Software Gray Tech Group 2023.